Peter, I was just at the bank and they told me you withdrew $6,000 cash from our savings. That's almost everything we have. What the hell was it for? I bought some local TV airtime, Lois, and I did a public service announcement of vital importance. Thank you. Hi, I'm Peter Griffin. You know, there's an issue facing many Americans today that I know concerns a great number of us. According to Gallup polls, one in 12 Americans is unaware that the bird is the word. I, for one, dream of an America where everybody knows that the bird is the word. My God, is it possible? Have the boys in the lab confirm this. Sir, our math shows that the bird is equal to or greater than the word. Check it again! It is the Nightfly Podcast with me, Dave Juskow, June 2020 edition, the summer of 2020. Oh, yeah, we'll all remember it. It's like you might remember the summer of 69. You can remember the summer of 2020 for all the wrong reasons. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the show. I hope everybody's having a great time and are maybe last days of uh, quarantining. I don't know. Where I live in New York City, we're opening up next week. So they say, I don't know what that means, but that is apparently the plan by a uh, kind of an idiotic mayor and uh, a so-so governor. Well, there it is. And then there's the president. Hey, it's all working. So why then can't Dave Juskow be Manhattan for a president? It's all coming together. And yes, it is a beautiful day in New York City. An absolutely gorgeous, nice little breeze going. The sun is shining. There's a blue sky. And I haven't been out all day. It's about 4 o'clock. I'm taping on a Saturday before this comes out on Tuesday. I've been taping, I know, the day before the show. But I think I want to go to Jersey on Monday, get some stuff done with my car. You know, like get a new battery. The very exciting stuff I'm telling you. Boy, I got lots of podcast information for you. These are called supers because I'm doing my Jerry Todd from SCTV. I felt like I was really heading in that direction. All right, let's shut this off and uh, get going with the show, shall we? Um, we, You know, I, I'm not going to say I have a lot to do today. I mean, I have some, and we'll have a good time, but uh, I don't have that much prepared today. I mean, it's only been five days since we've spoken last, and obviously, you know, Nobody's doing nothing, but I have lots of things to say. There's always stuff to write down and things to discuss, and today is no exception. Question is where to where to begin? Where do we begin? I know I just, you know what. First of all, I um, I you know I don't like eating before the po- on a on a normal podcasting schedule, I. I do usually eat before or I eat hours before, but I got hungry because I was looking up a bunch of stuff and I wanted to start earlier. And then I ate and I had some chips and some dip. And I don't know why I do that to myself because then, you know, then I'll chew some gum to get stuff. And I I can't brush my teeth before the pot. I mean, obviously, if somebody came over, I would brush my teeth, but I can't brush my teeth before the podcast because then my mouth tends to get dry because... You know, the Listerine and those stuff I use seems to have alcohol in it, which causes dry mouth. Well, that's no good for anybody. So, you know, but then 
I don't know why I eat chips at all. It always just gives me a bad taste in my mouth later. But they have this. It's called hell of a good dip, and it's a bacon horseradish dip, and it's quite delicious. I use it with Tostitos, and uh, it wasn't bad. And I have had and I had half a sandwich. I mean, I don't know. I shouldn't really be hungry because I've been eating way too much anyway. But I am. Last night I cooked a beautiful tuna steak, uh, a corn on the cob, and some cream spinach. Now that sounds like. You know, a, a lovely meal to put together, and it was. It was delicious. But I don't know if you can eat like that. Well, it's really not that bad, is it? I don't know, because I'm eating by myself. I think that's the problem. It's the portion control. And I don't want to leave anything over, because if I leave something over, it's like not enough to eat for a full meal, so it's crazy. So I end up eating the whole thing, and I think this is the issue. So I'm pretty sure I'm getting fatter by the minute, even though I'm not drinking any beer. Um... I, either because now I wash my own shirts, I'm not because the dry cleaner hasn't been open, and so either I'm washing them wrong where they're shrinking, or I'm getting fatter. I really can't tell which is which. The fatter makes more sense, but it could also be the dry cleaning situation, which of which there is none, and I don't really know how to wash a shirt. I've been washing them in cold water. But then I think when you put them in the dryer, they start to shrink, which is why I've been bringing them to the dry cleaner all these years, so I can... You know, I'm using shirts from the 80s. Yeah, but my chair, see, it keeps going down because obviously I'm, I'm I'm overweight. Fortunately, I haven't weighed myself in a while, so I don't have to feel any guilt about it. But, you know, you can just tell when things are out of control. But, uh, yeah, so last night, actually, I finally, if you can believe it, saw Sarah Silverman. Uh, she's a comedian from the 90s. And I, well, here's what I did yesterday. Yesterday was Thursday, and I, th- I think I slept late. I don't think I did anything. I'm trying to be a little more productive and do some stuff waking up at a regular time. You know, you got to get regulated again, right? And it seems like after dark, I just kind of shut down, so I'm trying to get stuff done in the daytime. But I went out. That's right. I went to the city MD yesterday. That's right. And I asked, no, was that the day before? I don't know. I tried to get a prescription, just a prescription, not, you know, I'm obsessed with the city MD. I clearly, I had that stupid doctor again. I'm just trying to get a prescription for my thyroid medication, right? It's a pill I had to take every day. It's not like I'm scamming the company or anything because I'm going to overdose on thyroid medication. And the guy's like, well, I guess I could give it. It's that same idiot that sent me to the emergency room. I hate this guy, right? So this guy's a moron doctor. I mean, I gave him a pass because he was Asian. I'm not going to lie to you. That's, you know, it's just like if you see it, maybe the Asian doctors aren't the way to go. Maybe it is the Jews. I thought the Jews were out. You know, you want a nice Indian doctor now or an Asian doctor, but uh, maybe the Jews are out as the medical professions nowadays. Now, you just want a Jew lawyer, and that's pretty much, you know, where it stands. But uh, I, this guy's such a moron, right? He doesn't know what a bundle blockage is or whatever on my EKGs. And then I go, I'm like, yeah, can you just get me refill the subscription? He's like, oh, I don't know. And I'm like, you don't know? It sounds like it sounds like I'm trying to scam him. What an asshole. I got to get this guy's name. I don't even know it. And and really report it on the podcast. But like, do not go to this guy. If this guy's at the city MD, run away, come back another day. But apparently he's there every day because apparently he stinks. Because I don't think you go to the city MD every day if you're good. You work there like once a week, and this guy's always there. So he gives me the prescription, and then uh, the next day I, I go to – no, I get a text from CVS, 
where I have to go now to get my, I got to walk miles away because my insurance kind of stinks, but I can't really say it stinks because, you know, I'm lucky they let me do anything at all. Um, and I go to the, uh, the, the stand and I, I get a text and they say, we can't refill your prescription of TI something. And I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about? I don't even know what this is. So I went down there yesterday and I'm like, yeah, I got a text from you guys. I don't know. What he's like, oh, your doctor put capsules instead of tablets and your insurance doesn't cover capsules. And I'm like, well, first of all, this guy's an asshole. And then I started telling the guy, I'm like, yeah, this guy's like the worst doctor ever. First of all, I've been to the city. Of the, they've my, refilled my prescription three times in the past year. And this guy got it wrong because he's a moron. It's not capsules. It's tablets, right? I mean, do I care if it's capsules? If that's the right thing to take. But I've been taking tablets for as long as I've been taking this medication, which is like, I don't know, 10 years at this point. And this idiot can't figure out that it's tablets. I mean, it's, it's, I've been refilling it at the same place. So I don't know how we got that wrong. And then I told the story. I'm like, yeah, this guy doesn't even know how to read an EKG. And he was like laughing. He's like, yeah, that guy sounds like a jerk. And I'm like, yeah, you got that right, buddy. And uh, anyway, so then uh, I had to go back to the city MD and I talked to the lovely people at reception and I said, can you do something about this? Because this guy's an asshole. And they're like, oh, yeah, I see what the problem is. We'll take care of it. And they took care of it. Done and done. Everybody's good at the city MD except for the actual, this one doctor. Actually, everybody's nice there except for the doctors. The doctors aren't that great. But the staff there is very nice. City MD. Uh, I never thought I'd have to do that because I always thought, you know, I'd just always have a doctor or something. But I guess I got to get a primary doctor. I think my insurance company gave me a primary one, but he's in the Bronx. That's what you get when you're on the government's insurance. That's what you get. I guess I deserve it. I mean, who has money to pay for insurance? Speaking of which, I had a long talk with Russ Maneev, uh on Tuesday night. And he called me. I hadn't talked to him. I was wondering how he was doing. He's a comic. If you don't know him, I've had him on the show once before. And, uh, you know, me and him and Atel and Artie always go out for dinner all the time for our birthdays. Anyway, he called me and he goes, Jessica, do you think I should get a car? I'm thinking about getting a car in the city. What do you think? And I gave him the rave review of the city. And he was asking me about my garage. I'm like, you sure you want to go to my garage? Because my garage, I mean, besides for the price, the kind of idiots over there, you know. But um, I gave him the rave review of how it's very important, especially like this guy. I mean, he's going to get a, I think he's getting a Porsche. You know, he's a good looking guy. He's always gotten girls, right? You know, he only needs a two person car. I like the van because I like carrying a bunch of people, including children, as creepy as that may say. But I did used to have younger nieces and nephews. And I like carrying as many people in the car as possible. I find that to be attractive. He only needs a Porsche for two people, which of course is classic Russ. But I gave him this rave review, and he's like, and how much does insurance cost? I'm like, I'm like, let me tell you something, Russ. Russ, pff, I've been living in this city for a long time. I take care of myself. I pay my rent. I pay my garage. And I've been doing a lot of stuff. You know, I work the, as many jobs as I can. I do the best I can in this city. He's like, well, how much does insurance cost? I'm like, I wouldn't know. My mother pays it. <laughs> Which she does. Yeah, I don't know. Uh that's the one thing she's just paid is my car insurance. And it's embarrassing when you, you know, get pulled over by the cops. Who's Rhoda Juskow? And I'm like, oh, that's my mom. Yeah, she pays my insurance. Just my car insurance. 
I don't think it's that pricey. But we got a discount this year because uh, we don't drive it that much. So that's exciting. <laughs> it's embarrassing to be this age of my mother. Anyway, uh, but that all being said, I was there was a uh, there was a, a a point to this story about uh, Russ or Tuesday. Jeez, uh, I don't remember what it was, but uh, I know I was talking about it was medication, and I was talking about well, was, the main point is I was getting to Sarah Silverman, and yesterday, my friend. Uh, Michelle, who lives in the building, and um, our other friend, Julie, who's a, a little off, um, who just got a puppy, who lives in the building, uh, we decided we were going to go to the right underneath the 59th Street Bridge where everybody is hanging out and drinking. So I put, uh, you know, a 16-ounce beer in a cup, and I went to the, whatever they call that, I don't even think you can call it a park, I mean, it's right under the bridge, it's so annoying, it's like everybody else, when they go to the park, it's like quiet, it's nice. This is like there's cars going. It's so loud and horrible. And this girl, Julie, she's wearing, she's wearing the. Uh, I'm making a gesture of it now, which you can't see. You know, the the like a welder's mask, you know, of covering, and we can't hear anything she's saying. And she's getting angry. I'm like, well, I'm sorry, I can't hear you. In that stupid mat, you know, we took off our masks to drink, but she still had that. And then she tried to take a drink from it, and she spilled it all over. She looked like an idiot. But uh, you know, I had like a, a beer or so. I know I said I wasn't drinking beer, but I had one beer, and that's the first time I've had, you know, I'm drinking one beer a week. It's not that bad. And then when I came home, uh, Sarah decided, like, okay, I think I think I can see you now. She decided, you know, now that I've been testing negative, everybody's letting me see them. So I saw I got to see in person uh, Memo and his kid this week and my old friend uh, Caitlin from the old office. And Sarah, I guess all because I've gotten the negative test, everybody feels comfortable in seeing me. And you know what? Before I continue, I am going to play what Bill Maher said on real time last night being Friday. Oh, last night was Friday. What was I saying it was? he uh, His end monologue, I'm going to play it again. You know, I love playing his stuff. I love his insights. And what he says about the pitfalls of how single people thank you very much, are getting screwed by uh, people who think they're better than us. When I tell you, when I see all the families and all that kind of stuff, um, you know, you can all go fuck yourselves because here's what uh, Bill Maher had to say, and I like it. People have started flying again, and some planes have been packed. Why is American Airlines viruses like concerts but are afraid of flying? Then how about we have a concert on a plane? Maybe Elton John could lend us his old tour plane, the one with the organ on board. Would, would that make a concert safe if it, if it happened at 30,000 feet in a cabin filled with recycled coughs and farts while involuntarily spooning with the guy in 32B? Look, <clears throat> I'm glad the airlines are back in business. I'd like to see everybody back in business. And if folks are willing to take precautions and accept a small risk so life can go on, I say let that be our guide. The White House press corps is allowed to cover Trump's briefings, and of course they should. That's where we learn that drinking motor oil cures AIDS. But if Donald Trump is allowed to do his comedy act with an audience, why can't I? This reopening has no consistency. In L.A., you still can't legally get a haircut, but you can get your dog's haircut. So he doesn't look stupid in Zoom meetings? 
Museums are typically spacious and very low risk. Why are they closed? But you can sweat and sway in a church? Across America, parks are open again, but park restrooms are not. So, what, move over bears? It's our turn to shit in the woods? It also seems like there's a different set of rules for single people. No one bats an eye if you live with family members who are coming and going. But if a mere friend who's not part of the family steps inside the house, break out the hazmat suits. Here's an interesting fact about viruses. They don't recognize marriage. And sharing a mailing address does not confer immunity. And we're not questioning any of this, which is a problem. Does anyone in charge of health in this country have any idea how much less healthy an airplane is than a baseball game? Let me help you out. Researchers studied 7,300 COVID cases in China and found just one that was connected to outdoor transmission. Yeah, you've heard people use the phrase, sunlight is the best disinfectant. Well, that got to be a metaphor because it was true. The virus doesn't like sun. Humans do like sun and need it. There is a strong correlation between vitamin D deficiency and mortality rates. Science Daily reports on research that shows it might be as high as cutting the mortality rate in half. Well, vitamin D is something you get from the sun, not your phone screen. Outdoors, healthy. Unabomber lifestyle, not healthy. Why haven't our top health officials been emphasizing these things? Why haven't they given us any direction on improving our immune systems at a time when we need them the most? Imagine before the virus even existed telling your doctor, Hey, doc, I've been locking myself indoors, living in fear, day drinking, and eating cheap takeout. Good health care plan? The vacuum in leadership isn't Trump alone. Yes, he puts the cluster in clusterfuck. Yes, he is the worst leader the world has seen since Idi Amin stopped eating the voters. But in late January, Dr. Fauci said the coronavirus was, quote, a very, very low risk to the United States. It isn't something the American public needs to worry about or be frightened about. On January 23rd, Trump got a briefing from U.S. intelligence. But the New York Times points out that Trump ignored a host of warnings he received around that time from high-ranking government officials, epidemiologists, scientists, biodefense officials, other national security aides, and the news media about the virus's growing threat. So all those people knew it was a threat by then. But Dr. Fauci was saying very, very low risk. In, in March, Fauci told 60 Minutes, there's no reason to be walking around with a mask. Well, there was, and he is now. That month, he also said, if you want to go on a cruise ship, go on a cruise ship. Look, I think Dr. Fauci is honorable, smart, and sincere, but I also thought that about Robert Mueller. And I worry liberals are once again falling into the same trap of lionizing someone just because they're the anti-Trump. Sorry about the uh, the clip. It's a little fakakta. It wasn't my fault, and it's not my internet's fault. It's just the way it was. But you know, I was really you know. Once you mentioned that single people thing, I'm like, yeah, you know what? There it is. How many people have been giving me shit because I'm single? I don't know what you're doing. When meanwhile, every family I have talked to, it's everybody's going in and out. I'm like, well, where's such and such today? They're like, oh, they're out with friends. They're out with friends. Exactly. 
It's like it. It's like the the, the families are the worst in the sense of uh, I don't know where they've been, and they're all worried about me. I'm sure living in New York City isn't that great a thing, but they're like, oh, but you go out for walks all the time. I'm like, yes, I I do. Sorry. So that really uh, spoke to me in a way. But I went down finally. I went. I mean, Sarah's been here for three months. I haven't gotten to see her because she's very paranoid about that kind of stuff. And last night we were going to ride our bikes. And wouldn't you know it? It pours, rains, it raining, rain pours, pouring rain. You know what I'm saying? And I, uh, so we just hung out and had a really good time. Just, uh, you know, went up to our place, which I, you know, which is beautiful. And it was really nice and it was fun. And we only hung out for a couple of hours and social distanced mostly. Couldn't sit together on the couch. <laughs> yeah, you know what I'm talking about. And, uh, but, but I had a, you know, a good time. And then, and then I, but, you know, I was, so I was down in the village and this was around eight o'clock at night. And all lately, so this week, all the bars have been reopening up and everything's been reopening. It's very clear walking around that things are reopened. It looks almost normal. Uh, you can't go into the bars, but there's everybody congregating outside the windows of the bars and drinking. And last night, being in the East Village, Everyone was doing that. It was like nothing was going on. It was weird. Then I also saw people at the actual inside the bars. So it's very normal again. And so then it was funny. I was about to go home on like a bike or the motorcycle again after I left her house. And I'm like, well, you know what? I'm going to walk home. Why not? It's a beautiful night. It's like 10 o'clock. I mean, I think I, I, it didn't even occur to me that that was an option because I haven't done it in so long. And I walked all the way from, you know, the early numbered streets to all the way up to the 50s and could not wear my mask after 20 or 30 blocks because it was impeding my air as I was walking. These masks are not made for exercising. Uh, And I, I, I wasn't catching enough air and I was getting tired. So I had to like, I you know, I just pulled it down when there was you know, nobody in front of me, but it was like a serious thing. I couldn't concentrate. And then, either fortunately or unfortunately, I ran into the owner of the restaurant across the street from me, you know, where uh, Bill Murray and uh, Judge Judy hang out. And I said, oh, I, you know, I haven't been coming in because you guys aren't on Seamless. And he goes, no, no, we are now, but you shouldn't call them because they charge extra. But, you know, I just like to order from Seamless, but he says that they are now, so now I, th- I think I have to order from them tonight. It's going to be pricey, but... Um, yeah, I mean, I should have just been going down there and ordering, but I hate calling people on the phone, and their menu's weird, but I love it there, but I got to support. That's a place I got to support, but he says he's not that worried. He's just, he, He's been able to pay his rent, but he's not making any money because he has a lot of very loyal locals, you know, like the people that live right here in the neighborhood, like Judge Judy or, or Mayor Bloomberg or anybody like that, uh, but He's worried about other places we were passing on the way. He was walking his dog. I guess he lives in the hood, too. Because they're all counting on tourism. A lot of the places, like especially on 53rd Street. And those places are going to have a lot of trouble if they come back at all. But he's been very lucky in that sense, which is odd since, you know, he's not on an avenue. He's on the actual, like, street itself. But great guy, Pascal. <laughs> The fact that I know a guy named Pascal is hilarious because I can't picture 17-year-old Dave Jones going, I wish I had a friend named Pascal. Now, that would be fun. 
That's when you know you've lived a life. So now I know a guy named Guillermo and Pascal. How do you like that? Boy, times have changed, haven't they? <laughs> yeah. This show stinks. I'm not, am I doing a good podcast? I can't tell. I'm not happy today. I mean, I am happy, but I, I feel like I'm not doing enough. Well, we just got to get down to business. So anyway, all right, so, so we talked on Monday, Sunday, right, when I went to my sister's house. I wanted to tell you, I went to this liquor store that I used to go to as a kid called Vince's as a kid, uh, and there was a lady there. She's wearing a mask, but she is coughing up a storm, and when anybody, anybody coughs, I go, oh, you got the virus? And I was kidding. She goes, no, I don't have the virus, and she runs and gets a piece of paper say, see, I'm negative. I'm like, no, it's just kidding you i didn't think you had the virus I'm like, and she runs with paper and she's like no i smoke but i gotta tell you in this day and age you're working at a liquor store you shouldn't be open anyway there was no one in there if you're coughing up and hacking a storm you just probably shouldn't be working there they should hire somebody else because even if she's just a smoker it's just creeping people out and that is uh, talking from a single man who, you know, but meanwhile, maybe, you know, they're right. Why did that single people go to the liquor store? Meanwhile, that's the first liquor store I've ever been to. I've heard uh, all of my friends have gone to the liquor store like every day where there's could be questionable people working there. I don't know why everybody's worried about me, you know. I mean, I out of the most people they know, I'll probably be the least sick because I usually really – I know you guys think I party all the time, but it's mostly just sitting inside and watching TV. More so than anybody else, and I'm not hanging around a lot of kids that carry germs. All right, maybe kids don't carry this particular germ, but normally I'm probably the healthiest person that you could have over your place. Thank you. Hey, you know, and yesterday, you know, they don't—they only allow one person in the elevator at a time. Although families can go in the elevator at a time. Meanwhile, I see an empty mask in there. Who the hell's leaving a mask in the elevator? I'm telling you, this is the problem, is that there's so many jerks. You're not thinking of the jerk factor. The New York Times had an article last week talking about, and they quote, the jerk factor, fear of jerks. I believe the quote was, a poll shows one hurdle to reopening. This is the name of the, op- this is the, name of the article, New York Times. Poll shows one hurdle to reopening Broadway, colon, fear of jerks. You're terrified of the person next to you who's an asshole who decides not to wear a mask or who comes there faintly sick. And that's what used to happen at my office all the time. People coming in coughing and hacking and totally sick and never going home. It's probably how all this started in the first place. One asshole came to work one day and spread it around to everybody. And there was this girl, Regina. And she'd come to work hacking and coughing every goddamn day. And I don't understand the two-faced bastards of this company not sending this whore home when she was acting like that all the time and sneezes like you would never believe. But they fire me because outside the office, I, uh, you know, I was asked out by a girl on a date. It still pisses me off to this day. And trust me, I haven't forgotten I'll get to the bottom of it someday, and I will destroy these people because they deserve it, you know? These are the people that need to go. Two-faced people. I know I'm two-faced, but at least I admit it. You know that. 
I'll say something bad about uh, somebody one day, but if they're here and on the podcast, it gets the podcast. I'm like, you know, you're really terrific. You're really terrific. And, and the funny thing is, when I see them in person, I usually do think they're terrific, and uh, everything is forgiven. If I'm away from somebody a while, it just you know festers in my head that I'm like, yeah, that person's an asshole. Yeah, I'd forgotten about that. Meanwhile, you know, I saw the uh, trip to Greece. Which, you know, is the trip, the uh, thing we always play? Drinking the wine makes me feel quite sophisticated. A bit like, you know, James Bond ordering a martini. I'd like a... Like a martini shaken. Not stout. I want it now. Don't make me wait. I'll have a vodka martini shaken, but not stout. I'll have a vodka martini shaken, not stout. I'll have a vodka... I'll have a vodka... You look very worried. Uh, so do you. No. You should take a look at your face. I'll have a vodka martini shake, not stand. You look like you're recovering from a stroke and learning how to get mobility again. I'd, uh, I'd like a vodka martini shake, but not stand. I can feel my legs. It's a miracle. I'd like a vodka martini shaken, but not stand. I'd like a vodka martini shaken, not stand. Come, time, Mr. Bond. You derive just as much pleasure from killing as I do. I'm coming, Mr. Barton. Do you get dressed and not pleasure from kidding his eyes? I was saying that bit. All right, no, when you say it, just don't. A caricature, turn it real. Come, come, come Mr. Barton. Shut up, don't tell me how to act. Uh, well, I bloody should do. Why? Because sometimes you tend to sort of, you know, crank it up a bit. You yeah, know. Whereas the you down. are widely regarded as the king of understatement. All right, I would do like this. Come, come, Mr. Barton. Do you get dressed as much as. Come, come, Mr. Barton. Try get the lines right. All right, as, as, as a rule, it's okay. more effective if you, okay. if you don't okay. fluff the line. Okay, but I'll deliver it with a nice bit of understatement. Come, come, Mr. Bond, you get just as much pleasure from killing as I do. Ah, was the All right, okay, all right, this is it, this is it. Come, come, Mr. Bond, you get just as much pleasure from killing as I do. Come, come, Mr. Bond, you get just as much pleasure from killing as I do. Fucking yeah. No, you went up at the end, like you, yes. like you watch Australian Yes, you see what soaps. I did on my face? Come, come, Mr. Bond, you get just as much pleasure from killing as I do. Come, come, Mr. Bond. You derive just as much pleasure from killing as I do. When I kill, I kill for queen and country. Though I admit, killing you... Come, come, Mr. Bond. You derive just as much... <laughs> if it's Piers Brosnan, he'd say... When I kill, I kill... My name was Bond, James Bond. When I kill, I kill for queen and country. Although I admit, killing you wouldn't be a pleasure. You know, I've never... That is an excellent Pierce Bronson, by the way. But yeah, that clip, I mean, that works every time. If I'm in a bad mood, that's uh, that's just as good as the gay kid on Larry David, Kirby Enthusiasm. So they made a new one called The Trip to Greece. It's a brand new one. It's supposed to be the final one in the series. And I watched it. I actually paid for it uh, because I was told to watch it by Tom Snyder, the creator of Dr. Cat. And he said we had to talk about it. And then we ended up never talking about it anyway. But I'm glad I saw it. It was very entertaining. Very odd ending. But all of those had odd, melancholy endings. But it was still just as entertaining as the others. If you think, if you think about Heracles, he was someone Heracles? Who, Don't you mean Hercules? Uh, if, you're, if you're using the Roman name, then yes, that I would only be know him from the film. Okay, well, Heracles uh, is the Greek name for him. He murdered his wife and children. The and the labors... Okay, the labors of Hercules, if you like... Hercules in yes, New York. ...was, if you... One of Christ, his first movies. Thank you. From a Christian perspective, 
is basically him serving his penance. Can't even imagine Christianity yeah, forgiving I... a man for murdering his wife and children. Well, you're Go... quite right, too. But, well, yes, but Mr. When... Coogan, you're suggesting that, that the man standing before us no, today but, no, but who is, murdered his wife and children should be forgiven? Hercules Arnold played him in Hercules in New York. Hercules in New York. It was one of my first films. One of my first... You sound a bit like... Uh, Werner Herzog there. That's right, that's what I was doing, films, I was doing Werner. I was one of my first films. It was very hard to do. I had to get Arnold Schwarzenegger to do it for me. My name is Giorgio. Everybody calls me George. Oh, that's uh, still just as good. Uh, it's funny that doing it. they're just always trying to outdo each other with uh, intellectual knowledge. So this one's all about Greece and who knows what and everything, and it's really uh, pretty good, just as good. I mean, obviously, I always going to prefer the Michael Caine and the James Bond, but you know, still, I enjoy their chemistry together, as does everybody else, because I think they've made five of them together, and I haven't seen three of them. So I watched this one, and it was pretty good, and then I had a nice long talk with uh, Tom Snyder from Dr. Cats. I think we're going to work on a little project together, found out... Um, you know, what his plans were. Well, he doesn't really have any plans for the two new Dr. Katz uh, audio recordings that I heard, which were very good, really fun. I remember I told you I was going to ask him if maybe I could just play it on the podcast because I'm not going to do anything with it. I'd like to share. It's great. They're both like just 25 minutes long. But uh, we'll find out more. Also, Tom Snyder invented, because he's an inventor. I mean, this is a, he's amazing. You know, when, when Dr. Katz was on, he invented that form of animation, which was called squiggle vision. You know, it's not very good, but at the time it was easy, you know, and, and inexpensive and easy to put together a show, you know, more so than a, a Disney movie that would take two through three years to put together. But he invented what I've been waiting for is uh, something that we can talk clearly to each other on the phone. Remember, I was trying to do that with Brian Pinelli. It still was coming out fishy if you're talking at the same time. I thought I had found that site that, you know, might work where we could talk to each other because, you know, I hate taking phone calls. They always sound so crazy. So apparently he invented something, and I'm hoping he's going to let me try it out because uh, on that day, I'm going to have Mike Sodder on the show because we have so much to talk to him about. Mike Sodder is the uh, the program director at WTF. I can never remember the names, Mike. I'm so sorry, but it's the um, the NPR affiliate, I believe, in Pittsburgh. And uh, YPG, maybe I got that right? I always, if the reason why I always forget it, Mike, is because I'm thinking of WKRP when they had the WPIG pig, and I know it's not that, so that's why I get confused. Anyway, Mike Sauter is um, uh, a musical... Um, Bon vivant. Is that, am I getting these words right? I don't even know. But he knows everything about uh, music and he's really knowledgeable. And you know, I love stuff like that. So, as a matter of fact, Mike Sauter was kind enough to write me an email after last week's episode where I was talking about, you know, how Devo got on and, and did I uh, Can't Get No Satisfaction on SNL. It turns out Mike said that. That particular week, which was, I guess, season the second episode of season four, the Rolling Stones were on the week before. So I guess as kind of like a tribute, they did that. That's why he had mentioned. He goes, yeah, it's a, he, he, you know, he has vast knowledge of all that kind of stuff. And when I was asking the question, I, like I knew he'd know. 
Oh, and Devo did the I can't get no satisfaction. And then the funny thing is about them, I was thinking, wow, um, I thought I, unlike Mike and the opposite of Mike, I thought, I thought, I, I don't know anything about music as why I'm, I mean, I do know some things, right? Especially from the eighties, right? I know times and places, but there are things I'm just not knowledgeable about. And one of them is the Rolling Stones. And I thought I can't get no satisfaction came out maybe a year before Devo did it on SNL in 78. I was completely mistaken. It came out in 65. It's just weird because that song is so still popular today. I just didn't think it was from 1965. I think that I forget that the Rolling Stones were around just as long as the Beatles because, well, I can tell you exactly why that is. I can tell you exactly why I thought that was the case. And it all has to do with Start Me Up and the Tattoo You album, which is my favorite Rolling Stones album. I do not technically like the Rolling Stones. They have never been my favorite band. I understand them more than the dead, but I, you know, I just never really cared for bluesy kind of stuff. You know, I like faster, you know, poppier stuff. So when Tattoo You came out in 1981, and it's possible that, yeah, 81, right, I remember, because remember, because then they made a couple of videos, and as you know, and I played this on the podcast before, this is my favorite Stone song. song probably has to do with the fact that mtv was new and that video is one of the first ones ever on mtv and that's probably what it has to do with and you know mick was just so you cannot take away his coolness uh and the band is cool keith richards as retarded (laughs) because we're older we can still use that word as he may appear when talking, um, I mean, let's face it. I mean, he really is the epitome of cool, and Mick Jagger is just as cool in a completely different way. So that song was amazing. The reason why I get confused about the Rolling Stones and dates and times is because this song is on that Tattoo You album from 1981.
I mean, I just, I just assumed that song was from the '60s or '70s. When I heard, it, I'm like, wait a minute, that's, that's from the brand new album in the '80s. I, right? Because it just doesn't sound right. So, ironically, in doing, and you know what? Um, <laughs> they're gonna play that Princess Bride clip. I, you sure you'll know what that ironically means? I don't think you're using it right. I, I think I say it a lot, and I don't know what it actually means. But um, you've forgiven me for that. I looked up Tattoo You and the the album itself, and I found out it's not a real album. It's not a. It, it's an official Rolling Stone studio album, but apparently it is made up. They just didn't have time. Keith and 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 Ron, Ron, what, what did I get it right? Keith, Keith and uh, Mick were fighting, and they were in a bad place, and they wanted a tour, and they wanted to have an album behind it, so they just took a bunch of their backlog stuff that they didn't put together, uh, a lot of stuff that was on Emotional Rescue, the album before it, and just end stuff from decades ago with riffs they might have had and just pieced stuff together and pieced out, pieced, pieced together, ironically. Damn it, I keep using that word, and I'm sure I'm not using it the right way. Uh, my favorite Rolling Stones album. But, I mean, that song, that's why it sounds like it should be from 10 years ago because I think they came up with it 10 years before that. Make a lot of sense. Because it just this, this and this doesn't, they don't sound like the same album. And then this one, too. I didn't realize this is also on this album, too. I just, things seems like it was on older albums. But then looking it up, I guess it was. They, this could have been done in 75, 76, and then they just put it on this album. So I like it a lot, but and then this one is I never never liked it, but the video is so awesome. I have been talking about remaking this for a long time now because it takes place in the East Village, and I could just do this with all my comedian friends, and wouldn't it be awesome? I bet you the Stones would be okay with it if they saw it. I'm like, yeah, I'm just going to use my comic friends, just sitting on a bench, and you're waiting for your buddies to come by, and then you go to this club. But instead of singing, you start doing comedy. Oh, that'd be awful. But this video is great. So it probably has something to do with this album. The fact that it was the first videos they ever made, you know, clearly, you know, for MTV. And the fact that a group like the Rolling Stones embraced MTV when a lot of, you know, older groups would not and just thought it was going to be passing by. I mean, Bruce Springsteen, what, he, he didn't make his first video until 1984 with Dancing in the Dark. And, and that was a horrible video, and yet it was like the most popular video of the decade just because that album was, again, you know, with Bruce and the, I'm there with the dead. I just don't get it. But, you know, it did make Courtney Cox's career, and that's really the most important thing. And the two of them are still popular to this day. Bruce Springsteen and Courtney Cox. Well, what are the odds? 
But yeah, when they, you know, back then there was only about three videos on MTV. They didn't have a lot of videos. It only came out August 1st, 1981. And this album probably came out in, I don't know, September, October. There was only a couple things to watch. So I probably, maybe I saw it, it, maybe the videos came out in 82. So it was in high school. And I remember being over people's houses and you just get together and watch MTV. Like you would if uh, you were this age and watch Netflix or play a video game together. And this was the video. And you know, it's possibly that that particular day when I saw this video, I was having a good day watching with uh, friends that I actually liked, which I believe at the time were elementary school friends that we uh, just got together in high school one day after all those years. We might have gone our separate ways in high school, but then uh, one day uh, for all night long, we just stayed up. I remember that. Yeah. We stayed up to like 8 a.m., not doing drugs and not drinking, and just watching MTV and having a good time. It was a lovely evening. Good people. People I went to elementary school, excellent people. People high school, not so much. Yeah, really not so much. They were actually awful people. Very snobby. Didn't care for us uh, poor Jews on the other side of the tracks. <laughs> I know I've told that story before. We know, <laughs> it doesn't sound like a song I would like, but I told you it's the video. When meanwhile, you know, I mean, this is just so awesome. I heard like they the, the band members weren't even together with if they did have to redo any of these songs, they came in separately and they bought in other instruments separately. Strange album. Odd that it's my favorite, but I do like it. I do like it. I like it a lot. I like it a lot. And uh anyway, that's what I was talking about. Mike Sodder. I mean, I I need this guy knows everything about the Beatles. I mean, he really does know a lot about the Beatles and you know, like when we had Adam Schlesinger on and he was talking about the monkeys and obviously because he was working with them and everything. But just listening to something I was listening back to. Oh, I hate saying the late Adam Schlesinger, but it is true. Um, listening back to his podcast and when he, you know, when, when you have a musician on, a real musician, a real rock and roll musician, and they talk about other bands that you only know by name. And, you know, he's like, uh, well, you know, I was working with such a from Susie and the Banshees. And, you know, like, or or, or from, uh, you know, he was from King Crimson. Like, all these bands that I didn't, I, I mean, I've heard of, but I wouldn't know any of their songs. And they're, you know, they're all friendly in a way that why wouldn't they be? They're true musicians and there's a bond, just like there are with comics, I guess. It's just different with musicians because people are in so many different things where you just, Anyway, uh, I don't. I don't know what I was talking about, but like, like I, I would wait to have Mike Sauter on because I wanted him here as a guest. I mean, he lives in Pittsburgh, so that's an you know an issue. But I would have him on for a full time. I wouldn't want him just on for twenty minutes to a half hour. I would like to have him on as a regular guest. So if he ever came to New York, but now the odds of anybody ever coming to New York again are so rare that it's just not going to be a thing to do. So I got to combine this new equipment. So we can spend some time together and it's not, and it's going to sound, have the good quality sound that you've come accustomed to listening to the night fly with Dave Juskow. You're welcome, ladies and gentlemen. Let's move on. There was an article the other day recently about this woman. Her name is Daphne Merkin and she was talking about 
She wrote an article for the New Yorker magazine about Soon Yi's version of Woody Allen and how she feels about him. And maybe I have it. Uh, no, no, no. That was it. Was a flattering portrayal of Woody Allen and Soon Yi of their relationship. And Ronan Farrow used all of his power and all of his ways and got the story rebooked. I think I just, he has all his powers. And Ronan Farrow called up the New Yorker and said, this is bullshit, you can't do it. And, he, and they were afraid of him. And they balked. And they pulled the story. And this woman is talking about it now. You know, it's like, how about this guy? He likes, uh, you know, strong women to talk. He likes, uh, you know, he's with the Harvey Weinstein thing and everything, but he wouldn't let Soon Yi talk. That's where he draws the line. And it was a very interesting piece about, you know, it was a, a nice piece of Woody and, you know, it was all just about like, I you know, I don't think he's like that. And and they he said it was biased because they were friendly. She goes, I had dinner with him, with Woody Allen one time in my whole life. And that was when we were doing the article. How was that bias? Any article usually back then was going to be biased about Woody Allen because Woody Allen. You think I'm not going to make a biased piece about Woody Allen? Woody Allen's my hero. Sarah and I were talking about it again last night. I'm not going to listen to this thing. There's a, there's a lot of stuff that they're, they're just ribbing on. You know, I mean, there's the, the, the other brother, the oldest brother. I think his name is Moses. He said that did not happen. And again, we have a he said, she said. There's no proof. He was, you know, all the charges and everything was dropped. It's not fair to take out. I mean, again, you know, well, if he didn't marry us, that's the problem. You're going to always have difficulties with that. I also want to talk about one other thing with, uh, you know, they're grabbing at straws for sports stuff in the paper. And today they had, what if Bill Belichick had been with the Jets? You know, because if you don't know, back in 2000, Bill Parcells left and left Bill Belichick as the coach of the New York Jets. And after one day, he says, due to the various uncertainties surrounding my position as it relates to the team's new ownership, I've decided to resign as the head coach of the New York Jets. He was on, the, he was on the coach for one day. And so now they're saying, what would have happened if he had stayed? And I can answer all your questions. And I know a lot of times we don't like to speak about sports, but this is kind of, everybody knows Bill Belichick and everybody knows what he's done in New England. And the question is, could that have happened in New York for the Jets? The questions are, and I'm going to answer them all. What if the Jets drafted Brett Favre in 1991? They did have the number one player. They could have drafted him. They did not. What if the Jets did not fire Pete Carroll as coach, also a Super Bowl champion, uh, which they did fire him. What if Vinny Testaverde did not get injured in 1999? Uh, what are the other? Oh, what if the Jets drafted Russell Wilson, which apparently was on the table? What if Peyton Manning did not stay in school? I can answer all of these questions for you. And the answer is simply that none of this would happen anyway, because the New York Jets as an organization stinks. And I've mentioned this many times. So if Peyton Manning does come out of school when we wanted him, when Bill Parcells was coaching, I mean, that might have been the only thing is that if Bill Parcells with him and then Vinny Testaverde not having, like, we might have had a chance at everything because Bill Parcells was the game changer. But mostly, if Peyton Manning had come here to the New York Jets, he wouldn't have been Peyton Manning. 
The New York Jets have a way of twisting everything in a bad way. Their ownership is bad. That's why Bill Belichick left. He's obviously very smart. We cannot take away from you. You might hate him. He's a complete douche. He's obviously smart. And the organization was a mess. Leon Hess had died. He owned the team from the very beginning, the guy from Hess Oil. He was an idiot when it came to, you know, hiring and firing. And he was not certain about the new management. And you know what? He did the right thing because the new ownership is just as bad as the old ownership, clearly, because Rob, as we know, Robert Kraft is an insane owner and clearly makes all the right moves. So if you're going to tell me that they're going to draft Russell Wilson and then all of a sudden he's going to become the Russell Wilson from the, Russell Wilson from the Seattle Seahawks playing for the Jets, you'd be mistaken. Because the Jets would somehow ruin them, whether it be coaching, general manager, or anything else. The Jets organization stinks. And that's that's the name of that tune. Why did I have to say that? I don't know. I read it in the paper today, and I said I have to talk about it because I just really hate the Jets organization. They are horrible, horrible people. And you just, you know, when you're a sports fan... Of which, as you know, I'm not a sports fan anymore of anything. I don't want anything to come back. In fact, let's just go for this now. As I've said on this podcast, since the pandemic has happened, they need to just get rid of Major League Baseball. I said this from the beginning. I said, let's hope baseball never comes back. If basketball has to come back, I get it. Why they're even bothering with hockey. I'm the only one that seems to care in America and that was before my cousin owned the team. But most people don't give a crap about hockey. So if you had basketball and football, I think everybody would be good. Baseball does not need to come back. No one likes baseball. If they tell you they do, they're idiotic. Baseball is stupid. It's a stupid, stupid, boring game. Now, is there something to watching a baseball game with the air conditioning on in the summer and taking a nap? Absolutely. But that's what it is for. And there's plenty on tape that we can use (laughs) for the future. I just want Major League Baseball to die. I don't want them to come back. And the reason I'm saying this is because I don't know whether you've heard anything, but all I do is listen to the sports stations now because they're the only live broadcasting that, you know, tends not to talk about the virus. Is Major League Baseball, all the other sports are coming back to the plan. Hockey has a complete plan. To come back. Now, first of all, looking at our priorities, why are we even giving a shit that sports needs to come back, especially if there's no fans involved? I don't know what the hell the matter with everybody is. It's all it's all greed and money. And the the but the players we got we gotta get my million dollars back. You know, it's it's all bad. Except for football. They seem to be doing it just right. I don't know whether that's just me or whatever. But anyway. So the high, and major, uh, major league NHL has a plan in action where they're going to have uh, 24 teams and they're going to do a playoff. When they get the go-ahead, they already have their plan ready when whoever's in charge says they can play. Basketball's coming up with a plan. Football, as you know, already has a schedule out. But Major League Baseball is talking and the players and the owners cannot get it together and it is all about money and they're like, oh, we're not doing it if we can't play 100 games. And everybody's being mean. And they're not thinking about you or me. They're just thinking about themselves. And they're not thinking about the people that, you know, what? what is sports for anyway? 
it's so you don't think about the pandemic for a couple of hours, right? So if that's their line of thinking of, well, we'll put it together because it makes people happy, then they're going about it the wrong way. So I just, you know, people are just going to be so angry. I don't think they're going to be able to come to terms, and that'll be the end of baseball this year. But I hope they never come back. Because you might remember also in 1994, 95, when they had a strike, I remember I was just as angry, but of course they did not have a podcast platform, but I told everybody that would listen, I hope no one goes back. I hope no one goes back to the ballpark and and teaches the Major League Baseball a lesson that they have to go on strike over money issues when I have to sit and go to a temp job every day. How dare you treat your fans like that? And then, of course, you just can't get people to listen. They all went back as soon as it started again. Everybody went back as if the whole thing never happened. It was awful. And then it got popular again because Sammy Sosa and Mark McGuire were doing the home run thing. And all of a sudden, baseball was completely back. Meanwhile, now we find out they were all on steroids. And then then you should also be like that. And, and the Barry Bonds thing. And he's on. I mean, all baseball is so tainted and all this stuff is so tainted and stupid and having a Sunday night baseball game, which is so rude, changing a 1 p.m. Sunday game, which is what baseball is all about, a day event, and moving it to a Sunday night where you try to take your kids to a game. Baseball stinks. Major League Baseball is a sham, and it needs to be stopped. And if we're just going to have three sports, I think everybody's going to be okay with that. Fuck baseball. Let's just have our summers back where we just do nothing. And then we look forward to more sports in the fall, right? Let's do that. We get a break from sports during the summer. We have this break now. I think everybody's actually pretty pleasant about it. You don't got to keep track of stuff, let alone I've told you about baseball when the Mets go to the World Series. That's a lot of commitment. I'm going to go to the playoffs, to go to the World Series. Every game, every day there's a game. That's too much of a commitment. Football, once a week, very easy commitment. Basketball, every couple of days. You know, hockey, same thing. But baseball, every day. That's a major commitment. I mean, I don't know who gets season tickets and goes every day. That's ridiculous. But it's a stupid game, and it should stop. And the players are selfish. The owners are selfish. These are horrible people. On the flip side, A-Rod, who you might remember from the steroid scare of 2006 or seven, uh, and Jennifer Lopez are trying again to purchase the bets, uh, the Mets. They got... They tried to do that a while ago, and they got shot down, and now they're trying again and going with J.P. Morgan, and they're going to try and buy the Mets from the horrible, horrible Wilpon owners that they are now. Now, yeah, I'm a Mets fan, but I say if the Mets went away and the Yankees went away, I just I just don't care. I, I mean, that would be great. That would be great. They're all selfish, horrible, horrible people. And think about this. Think about this. They're like, no, we need to play 100 games. We do. They do the least work out of any athlete in sports, the least amount of work. Think about this or remember this. If you, you know, think about it. First of all, what are they doing half the time? They're just sitting in the outfield waiting for the ball. They're just sitting there. They're just sitting there. If you're playing the right field, you're just waiting. You're waiting around. You might not even get the ball. You might not see a ball for an hour. After you do that, you're sitting in the dugout. You're just waiting. You're waiting. You're waiting to go up there. And then most of the time, you strike out. Most of the time, you strike out, which I've said this multiple times. If you were at your job and only did your job 
50% of the time, I think it's less than that, isn't it? Don't they only get a hit maybe 25% of the time? Wouldn't you be fired? Think about it. Every time they get up to bat three times a game, if they get up four or five times, maybe they are productive three times a game. They're only doing their job one out of every five times, maybe twice if they're having a good game. And they're asking for a ridiculous sum of money to only do their job intermittently. Uh, There's nothing to the sport. I mean, it's stupid. I was able to play it. You know what I'm saying? Basketball, you're getting your money's worth. I mean, you were up and down that court. There's a lot of work. There's a lot of physicalness. Football, we know how that is. We know how that takes its toll. And hockey is uh, probably even the most brutal in a way and certainly the most time. You know, you're really running around all over the place. I mean, these are sports that, you know, make sense. You get a lot of money. Baseball, what, what are they doing? What are they doing out there? Doing nothing. Wasting, wasting everybody's time. Those pitchers take like an hour and a half to pitch the ball. It's so goddamn boring. And the whole key is for them not to hit it. That game stinks. Baseball blows. Just end it. Selfish pricks. Thank you. Let's get to a clip. I was uh, trolling the internet the other day and was lucky enough to find a wonderful clip of Mark Hamill talking about uh, doing a really good Harrison Ford imitation and talking about Star Wars, and I thought I would play it for you. He was talking to Seth Meyers, and it was really, I love Mark Hamill. I worship Mark Hamill, and you know I know he does really good voices because he, he's really good at the Joker, and I just think he's super cool, and it obviously all just stems from Star Wars, but I love the way he describes his character and then really, you know, gives it to Harrison Ford in a real good, silly, fun way. And I believe this is only from a year ago. What was, you know, what was it like working with, again, because it was the a beginning for all of you, what was it like working with young Harrison Ford? Oh, my gosh. Well, the thing is, he walked on. George likes to cast people that are so close to what he wants, he doesn't have to really get in there and give you a lot of direction. Yeah. So Harrison walks in, and he's just too cool for school. <laughs> I mean, I just, instant idolization, you know. Carrie was funny and witty and adorable, uh, and we just it, we just immediately hit it off. It was it, it was perfect, and Harrison had a really firm grasp, of, like the overview. I think he'd make a really good director if he weren't so lazy. But, uh, <laughs> uh, we'll edit that out later. But. Uh, for instance, we were doing the scene where it was right after we got out of the trash compactor. We hadn't filmed that scene yet. And I'm looking in continuity and I said, well, wait a second. This is right after we got out of the trash compactor. Shouldn't my hair be all wet and matted with schmutz all through it? And he turns to me and says, hey, kid, it ain't that kind of movie. <laughs> if people are looking at your hair, we're all in big trouble. <laughs> And I thought, he's so, he's so right. He's so right. And next time I saw him, he said, hey, I don't sound anything like that. <laughs> but like I say, I mean, you'd have these moments of self-awareness where, where you're standing in the cockpit waiting between, because once the squibs go off, you have to stand up there. Kids, if you could stay up, instead of coming down, they're going to rewire to do another take. And I'd have this moment of self-awareness to my right, 
is one of the most venerated actors of the 20th century, Sir Alec Guinness. To my left is an eight-foot guy in a dog costume (laughs) wearing headphones. (laughs) What's wrong with this picture? Well, the crazy thing now is obviously... You know, it's part of, uh, you know, our lexicon to say things right. like lightsaber and Death right, Star. Right, but when right. you read the script, did it all seem so absurd before we knew what it was going to look like? Well, what's amazing to me is that I was just overwhelmed because I got the part without having read the script. I just did a screen test. So I didn't know what the style was or whether it's a send up like Mel Brooks or what. And then when I read it, it, it just hit me. I said, this is more like Wizard of Oz yeah. than traditional science fiction. Because, I mean, 2001 is a stone-cold classic. A laugh riot, it ain't. (laughs) Right. And this one was so funny. I mean, it was so on a human level. I mean, we risk our lives to rescue the princess. She takes a look at what we came in and says, you came in that? (laughs) I mean, who says things like that? (laughs) And and robots arguing over whose fault it is. (laughs) I mean, I knew I was a straight man. I thought, oh, every part is funnier than mine. But... It gives, a, a, you know, if you appreciate comedy, you realize what Bud Abbott is doing for Lou Costello. Yeah. You know, so, you know, when you say to three people, you know, that little friend of yours is going to get me in a lot of trouble. <laughs> oh, he excels at that stuff. <laughs> well, you're, you're yeah, enough absolutely. for him to knock it out of the park. But I leave it to George Lucas to write a script where the robots get better lines than me. <laughs> Well, in the long run, I, uh, I think it worked out for everybody. Oh, and, no, listen, uh, I, I couldn't be happier. It's, I mean, uh, it's very surreal to have you here. I spent a lot of time uh, in my youth uh, watching you, and it is just what a joy it is to have you here right well, now. It- well, is, uh, Mark Hamill, isn't he amazing? He's so cool. And uh, that is an amazing Harrison Ford imitation. And they're actually on Jimmy Fallon. They have Harrison Ford. They show him the thing, and he's, he's just so dull it wasn't worth playing. It's like he's like the worst guest in the history of of actors. It was like pulling teeth. Believe me, it is not worth playing. But you know, as we know, Harrison Ford has unfortunately no sense of humor, which is so weird because the entire reason I don't like episode one, two, and three is because it has no sense of humor. And the thing that was so great about the first four, five, and six Star Wars is that it has a complete sense of humor. And Harrison Ford was, you know, one of the funniest people ever and it is because of him that it had a sense of humor it's great that mark hamill was able to realize he was the straight man because that's gotta be difficult on an actor where like he's saying i mean just think about it if you don't know what it's going to become and you're like god everybody's funny you know the robots are funny and i gotta be the straight guy but yes somebody has to we were talking about that last week we were talking about people things like rain man where you're thinking about dustin hoffman but you forget how terrific tom cruise is in the movie and how you have to have Tom Cruise to get Dustin Hoffman's performance. And it is true. There is no uh, Lou Costello without Bud Abbott. It doesn't work without the straight lines. So I just really enjoyed that, and I thought you would too. As a matter of fact, they have they had – I saw one with um, uh, Sylvester Stallone was on talking about how he uh, hated um, – Arnold Schwarzenegger and how they had a major rivalry, you know, before like now, because, you know, if, if Sylvester Stallone came out with Rambo, he'd come out with Commando. And, they, you know, and then Arnold Schwarzenegger apparently used to, I don't know whether he did a purpose, whatever, but his age, like to beat Arnold Schwarzenegger at his game, his agent would be like, hey, I heard Schwarzenegger is going to do this cop movie. He goes, oh, that's ridiculous. He has that accent. He can't be an American cop. 
So Sylvester Stallone decided, uh, I'm going to take this movie before he gets his hands on it. It was like, don't, don't stop or stop or my mom will shoot. And Rhinestone, <laughs> the things that he think that Arnold would say he's going to do. And then Stallone would try and take it away from him. But Arnold was kidding just to make Stallone look stupid. But you can never make a guy who's in this movie look stupid. Cold night. Good night to catch pneumonia, you know. You need some help with that case? There's a good game down in the spectrum tonight. You want to go to the basketball game? Hey, but kiss, hey, kid. Tough day today, you know, they took my locker away. I had that locker for about six years, but don't bother me, no. Lockers are bad anyway. After a while, people get the combination. I must have had 20 bucks taken out of there in the past six years, you know. Don't sound like much, but it adds up, you know. Doesn't matter, who cares, you know. Whole night. Hey, bird. Hey, look who's here. Look who's here. The giant worm. Look at these birds. Don't these birds look like candy, you know? Like flying candy. Hey, bird, you want to fly me home? You need somebody to walk you home, you know? Hmm? No. No. It's a cold night, you know. If I was you and you got the money, I would uh, take a cab or something. There's creeps around here, you know? Every other block is a creep. You can always tell a creep. All right, listen, I'm going to go now, okay? Listen, I'll see you later, all right? None of you guys get up. I know you had a hard day in the cage, right? So, uh, I'm going to go home, make up a joke. I'm going to tell you a new joke tomorrow, okay? Good night, Adrian. Good night, Robbie. Oh, that is brutal. I can't believe he kept pursuing her. Boy, she doesn't make it easy. He was playing that hard-to-get routine, really, uh... Sours after a while, you know. <laughs> uh, yeah, I can't tell me how many times I've been in a store trying to ask other girls the exact same situation. Yeah, you know, they took my lock away. You know, so it don't bother me much. Uh, it's uh, no big deal. Yeah, I was these birds, right? They look like candy. <laughs> I don't have that voice, but I try to be funny. And, and then, you know, if I was dating somebody at the mall or trying to, I'd go visit them. Oh, my God. I keep thinking about that. It's just as awkward. That's what makes the movie so great. He wrote it. He's the greatest. Who's this girl you're going out with tomorrow night? How'd you know? Ah, uh, you know. Don't you think I hear things? A lot of canaries flying around the docks. I'm going out with Paulie's sister. <laughs> hey, Ralph. What? Hey, she's retarded. She ain't retarded. She's shy, you know? I'll tell you what to do. Take her to the zoo. I hear retards like the zoo. Hey, this bum got to say that. All right, back it up, buddy. I'm calling back you a bum. Okay, relax, relax. he's in a bad mood at this process. Well, he's always in a bad mood. You know you ought to count your blessings, buddy. You're still a healthy person. You know that? I don't like your face. I don't like your Z's. Kiss my ass. I'm off your shoulders. Oh, come on, relax, 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 relax. My ears, what are you driving me crazy? Both ears. But he doesn't like you. Yeah. Now, some guys, they just hate for no reason. Gabby? Yeah. Come here. 50 bucks. You and your girl, Adrian, you have a nice time. Yeah? Thanks. Hey, how'd you know her name? You don't think I had things? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hey, Rob. What? Tell me what I told you. What'd you tell me? Take her to the zoo. Come on, come on. Ah, classic. It's his buddy's prostate's bothering. That's why he's so angry. Makes a lot of sense if you think about it. 
Probably wouldn't have figured it out at 13, but, uh, you know, now that I watch it, I'm like, well, his prostate's bothering him. He's just, uh, you know, he's angry. Can't really blame him. Yeah, he's taking it as a zoo. So I spent all Thursday night around 3 a.m. It took me two hours, and I finally uh, got HBO Max. Uh, it doesn't work on the fire stick, so I, I got to work around. And uh, because I was dying to watch Love Life with Anna Kendrick. I love Anna Kendrick. I will watch anything she's in, although I have not seen Pitch Perfect because, as it turns out, I'm not a homosexual. But, you know, I liked her better than Kristen Stewart in uh, Twilight. I thought she was much prettier. I liked her from the beginning. I like her choices. I like her in that movie with Sam Rockwell. I don't know what it's called. It's a little movie, but it's really good because I like her. I think she's really sexy. I love the fact that she can sing and she does, you know, stuff without singing. And so when I saw the movie posters and the bus stops and stuff about this Love Life and HBO Max, I'm like, I got to see it. I got to see it. So I watched it. It's three episodes, 30 minutes long a piece. And it was just okay. She's really good. But it's just okay. I don't know what I was thinking it was. But um, sometimes she's a little too thin. You know, like it looks like a... Like there's a problem, you know, like maybe she has an eating disorder, so, you know, in real life. She was very thin at times and sometimes she looks good and then other times she just really looks very thin. I don't like that, you know, like, uh, you know, I like more people you take to the zoo, you know, uh, people like that. Uh, but yeah, it was like, you'll, you'll see what I mean if you watch it. Um, there's many times she's just sitting in a place and I'm like, boy, she's looks like her legs might break off. They're too thin for her build but uh yeah i don't know you know i don't know if i'd recommend it there's three episodes in it. yeah i don't but but I'd, I'd still watch if they're gonna make more I'd, I'd still watch it i think i'd watch anything she's in i really like her i don't even know why i guess i just like her look although i like her acting too yeah she's okay anna kendrick i like her and then after that i watched this new elmo late night show it's called not too late with Elmo, it's an it's an Elmo talk show, like uh, like the Tonight Show. In fact, Jimmy Fallon's the first guest, so it's an Elmo from Sesame Street talk show. And I said, "Well, I'll watch this too," because Memo's been telling me about it. Lo and behold, I'm sitting there watching. I see Memo's kid in the audience. I'm like, "What the hell's going on here?" And I go, "Wait a minute!" I'm pausing. I pause it, and I'm like, "Yeah, that's Memo's kid." And they text. I'm like, "What the hell is your kid doing on TV?" And he goes, "Oh yeah, that was the pilot. Uh, she's not allowed to be in anymore because she's not in SAG." And I'm like, "Well, good." Thank goodness. Can't believe she's done more work than I have last year. That's completely unacceptable. She was good, too. She's good. Just kidding. I mean, she, she, I mean, that's a what a dream. She's one of the kids in a Sesame Street audience. I mean, that's exciting. That's all I ever wanted as a kid. It was so funny. I mean, it was just out of nowhere. I don't think Memo told me. Maybe he did, and I'd forgotten what he was talking about. I thought he meant maybe he was on Sesame Street, but it was so funny. So if you see, you can see Memo's kid, who I went to go visit. On Tuesday, on Tuesday, I decided to go out to Queens. I bought her this uh, book that my friend wrote because she was so excited. It was a cat book. And I bought her this book. She was so excited about it. So I got the electric city bike, went over the bridge, took the motorcycle to Memos, hung out for a little bit, social distancing. They were on their stoop. I was on the sidewalk. Then I went to go visit my friend Caitlin and her husband. I stayed on the sidewalk. They were on their stoop. Just riding around. It was a beautiful day. Then I parked the bike 
and walked back over the 59th Street Bridge, which is just now a disaster. There's too many, there's too much foot and bicycle traffic and too narrow a path. It is not entertaining. But the walk was pleasant, you know, in weather wise and, you know, I, was in a, I wasn't tired or anything. But yeah, there's just too much bikes whipping by. Nobody knows what side to be on. It's, it's really bad, actually. They need to wipe, just like, you know, that's why I don't walk over the Brooklyn Bridge anymore. It's the same thing. It didn't used to be that way in the 80s. <laughs> I, I'm not sure what happened, whether people are just being more conscious or whether I, I really just don't, or there's just more people living in the city, which I guess is the the issue. And uh, what I also watched after that, I just couldn't go to sleep that day. I was out watching TV from like, you know, 2 a.m. till 6 a.m. I had taped The Nanny because it's on at like 3.30 in the morning, just before Here's Lucy. And I saw that it was going in order, so I taped the final episode of The Nanny and the pilot the next day, and I watched them back-to-back. And I, I, I don't know why. that I did that with Alf the other day. I don't know if you remember I told you that, because I, uh, for some reason, that seems to fascinate probably only me. So what's the last episode? She marries, you know, she's married to Mr. Sheffield. She's pregnant. She has the baby. The uh, the lady that was always after Mr. Sheffield ends up with the butler. Spoiler alert, everybody. Uh, one of the kids had already gotten married and stuff. But what was very interesting about the pilot after seeing the six years later was that there was no changes in cast members. They kept it same kids, same people, same cast, same opening credits. They never changed it once. Kind of got to hand it to her for that because that's a big thing that you don't usually see, which, again, is probably why Friends worked so well. And obviously, we already have spoken about Seinfeld because they made sure they would not do that. But uh, that's a smart move. You know, unlike, I guess, probably everybody just learned from the Cosby show. And, you know, you have these shows where just, and, of course, the Cousin Oliver factor. But it's funny when all these kids can stay with the show, too. Sometimes that doesn't happen. But that's what I was most impressed about. All the same characters six years later. Very impressive. Because then you say, well, who the hell would leave a show? And then just today, I read that the girl playing Batgirl, you know, she's been there a year. She's leaving. And they won't say why. She's leaving. I mean, that's real messed up. You know... There's so many actors that would kill to be on television and you just take off after one season and that show could last 10 years. You know how the CW works. They don't care about ratings or anything. I don't understand it. I can't wait to find out more information. What is her name? Ruby Rose or something? I don't. I didn't like her anyway because she had short hair so it was bothering me. Even if the poster said the red hair is a wig. So I didn't like her. But uh, I'm now I'm dying to know. Why, you know, after all the history we know about jerk-offs leaving roles like David Caruso, who got lucky, and Shelley Long, and things like that, why anybody would leave. I mean, maybe if she was pregnant or something. I mean, there's no thing, but, uh, you know, you'd have to be a complete moron to be pregnant at 21 if you're going to be an actress and you have a TV show. You know what I'm saying? Uh so, but I mean, clearly they can't make Batgirl in her second season pregnant. I mean, that's got to be a thing they can't cover up. You got to do stunts. 
You got all this stuff. So maybe that's the only thing I can think of. Because why the hell would anybody quit a show if you're an actress and you try and all of a sudden you get a part? I mean, like, a you you know, you've won the lottery in many ways. Maybe it's not your dream role, but you had a part in a series forever. It's CW. It's going to last forever. And you just leave after the first season. What, for creative differences? I really felt Batgirl should go in a different direction. She should have red hair. It better not be because of that. Because this girl will be on my list. You don't want to make the list. You don't want to be like that guy in stripes. You just made the list, buddy. I'm going to talk about one last thing. Uh, you know, I stopped watching the news, which I used to watch every day. Uh, so now I am not informed on anything. And I only get the papers Friday, Saturday, Sundays. So if anything happens Monday through Thursday, I haven't heard about it. And I didn't hear about Amy Cooper, the woman in Central Park who called the cops on this very you know threatening African-American man, which went viral, this horrible, horrible twat. Uh, this is just, you know, and I'm using the polite word, you know, because I want to use the C word, obviously, uh, whose life is destroyed. And so it should be. I finally saw the video. You know, somebody had to tell me, but what do you mean you haven't heard about it? Everybody's talking about, it. you know, it happened in Central Park. I assume you've all heard about it. This woman, you know, this guy was bird watching and this woman's dog wasn't on a leash. He said, can you please put it on a leash? She goes, I'm going to call the cops. He's like, okay, go ahead, call the cops. And then she goes, there's this horrible African-American man. He's threatening me and my dog. And, you know, it's so he was recording it, thank God, and it's so messed up because when you see the video and she's like, help me, please, like she's just lying, you know, and uh, this guy's life would be ruined if he didn't, ha- if he didn't record that. He would have been he would have been ruined. Everybody would have taken her side. I mean, I would guess that the cops would have figured out she was crazy at some point. But boy, it could happen that quickly. It's terrifying. We see movies about that all the time. So that was uh, pretty scary. But I didn't know anything about it. So she's like, "What do you mean you don't know?" And I'm like, "Because my friend Michelle told me she was going to the the Bram the Rambles." Whereas, and I'm like, "Wait, wait, you're going to meet somebody for gay sex?" And because that's what those are known for in Central Park. At least they were in the '80s. And she goes, "No, did you hear what happened there?" And I'm like, "Yeah, some." guy got gay sex or something he goes no no and then she told me the whole story and i'm like wow i I didn't hear anything about it she goes how could you not hear anything about it i'm like i stopped watching the news i mean i just can't watch it anymore so yeah then i get the paper on friday and i see you know it's more of a smaller story now but i saw the whole thing it was still on page three and i'm like oh and then i saw what happened in minneapolis which i didn't hear about either which uh that's really kind of pissing me off you got to stop this uh rioting it ain't cool and stop yelling at the other cops that aren't involved. That ain't cool, man. Those cops are out there just like the workers, and they don't want to be there. They don't want to be going to work in a pandemic. Everybody's got to relax a little bit. I know it's really bad, but this guy's going to go up on murder charges, and then uh, we'll take care of him. The other cops in different cities, they're not... I don't even know where these people are coming to to get together. It's like crazy. Nobody's listening to anybody. The whole thing is a disaster. But, yeah, you know, I'm very nervous about everything opening up again. I like it this way. I like that I don't have to worry that I can power down at nighttime and not worry that, uh, you know, I'm not missing out on anything. I'm telling you, I'm getting very uptight about that. Can you believe that? I'm getting very uptight about things opening up again and me going to have to feel guilty about trying to find a job. You know, I haven't had any guilt about it. It's been wonderful. (laughs) 
I mean, I really am nervous about it. I, I don't know what I'm going to do. I mean, I, I mean, I got a couple of plans, but I don't know if they're going to work. And I mean, basically, I'm just going to have to get a job job, I guess. Although I really think, like, at this point, maybe they'll just let me retire. Maybe they'll change all of the uh, Social Security precedents around it because everything's such a mess. Maybe they wouldn't want me to go back to work. They're like, oh, no, save the work for the young, you know, and just finish out the rest of your life. Uh, on the government's dime. Thanks. Thanks for your service. Thank you for your service. <laughs> See? It could all work out, right? I guess. Maybe not. I don't know. I really don't know what to do. Oh, it's going to be a good summer. Doing the Goodfellas thing. I mean, I should be at the beach now, right? I should be with Dave Elliott at the beach having a good time. I mean, what's happening? Why are not at the beach today? I'm not even going anywhere this weekend. I was like, should I go visit my mother? No, I thought I'd go to the weekday because i got to get a new battery for my car. i got to fix the windows. i got to go to Perth Amboy, New Jersey. Are you kidding me? I mean, that's a fun day. But i got a new webcam for my mother, so uh, she'll be able to look better on Zoom. You know how important that is to the Just Gals. Very important. Very important stuff. Yeah. I mean, I don't have any plans like anybody else, so I was going to watch the Tony Awards next week, but, uh, you know, they're canceled. <laughs> yeah, it's awesome. Well, I hope everybody's doing okay and uh, everybody's having a good week and going to have a good week and this week and now it's already Tuesday and and then if it's Tuesday the 2nd, I, I think, yeah, New York's opening next week, I guess, next week the 8th, that's what they said, but probably more like the 15th and what does that mean? What does that mean? I know the comedy clubs ain't opening up. Phase one, Can, you know, I'm, I'm not going outside until they reach phase three. But uh, everybody's assuming there'll be a little spike, but I guess everybody's going to deal with it. We'll uh, hopefully live our lives again, not with masks. Oh, masks are horrible, especially in the summer. Oh, my God, it's a disaster. It's so hot under those masks. It's it's awful. We just got to take them off. I'm going to go with Bill Maher and say the sun is going to kill the virus and we're going to be okay if you're outdoors. Come on, people. Let's do it. Let's all just... Pull the close encounters and take the mask off. Let's just do it. Let's not worry about the jerk factor, which uh, maybe I'll title this episode. Anyway, thank you so much, everybody. I hope everybody has a great week and welcome to June of 2020. Looks like we're in for a fun ride. I'll see you next week on the podcast, everybody. It's the Nightfly. Good night. Good night.